The nominees for Best Picture of the Year are... And the Oscar goes to... Hello everyone, my name's Oliver Smith Hello. and welcome to And the Oscar Goes To. I'm here with my ever-faithful co-host. Sometimes I feel like throwing my hands up in the air, but I know I can count on him. Sometimes I feel like saying, Lord, I just don't care, but I know I can count on him. He's got the love to see me through. It's Joel Abraham. Hello. You went for a long one that time. I went for a long one, yeah. I didn't know what the song was How'd until you like it? most of the way through. It was, it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you got the love to see me through? Uh, I don't know. I've just told all I the people that you couldn't sing have. you this song. Normally, I try and sing the song. Hang out the love. I need to see me through. There you, there you it's go. It's like it's like Florence was in the room. Yeah, Florence slash Heather Small. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to do that again. Anyway, uh, hi everyone. We're today. We're talking about quiz. Show. Oh, have we told the pre- we said the premise of the podcast. Yeah. The premise of the podcast is that we go back through the years of the Oscars, 1994. That, yeah, that is the, that is this series. I've been helpful. Yeah. Uh, so our first mini series is on the 1994 films, 1995 Oscars. We go back every week and we discuss one of the best picture nominees yep. from our chosen year, um, which and is 1994. The films of 1994. Yeah, 1995 the Oscars. Oscars. The Oscars of 1995. Yeah, that's yeah. it. This week we are talking about Quiz Show. Quiz Show. Quiz Show. Yeah. Uh, directed by Robert Redford, starring Rafe Fiennes, John Turturro, Rob Morrow, and Paul Schofield, with a script by Paul Atanasio. I don't know him. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to say that name. I probably got it wrong. Um, I think it's Atanasio. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. Based on Richard Goodwin's novel, Remembering America, a voice from the 60s, Quiz Show follows Charles Van Doren, a popular contestant on a fixed game show called 21 in the 1950s, and after a disgruntled former contestant takes legal action against NBC, the show's network, congressional investigator Richard Goodwin initiates a probe into the show's practices. It's such a strange thing to make a film about. It's a really weird... I've never heard of this no, before. No, this it's like such a weird little footnote yeah. in television history. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess may- maybe you know about it if you live th- through it, but even then, I'm not. It just doesn't seem like a thing that someone would. You can actually watch a game show kind of come out and just say, oh, "I'm going to make a film about that." But maybe if you take like, do you remember Charles Ingram? No. Charles Ingram was a British guy in the maybe noughties, maybe late nineties, who mm-hmm. one who wants to be a millionaire. Oh, someone, the guy with the coughing. So someone, that... yeah, someone coughed in the audience uh, every time an answer was correct. Yeah. And he won the million pounds. Yeah, wasn't it like as um Chris Tarrant. Chris Tarrant was gonna was reading through the answers, he'd yeah. go, Is it a and then someone would cough in a certain way. Yeah. And that told him and he won. Yeah, so I wonder. I think people are trying to make films. Here's my that. question about that. Was yeah. it just one person in the audience? Because I feel like they could have just gone on the show. But it was actually a guy who Or was, was doing, it like a team? It was a another contestant who was on the you know the fastest finger first bit? This mm-hmm. is quite niche, people who remember who must be a millionaire, but um to the fastest finger first bit, there was a guy who was just sitting doing that and he just coughed when he answered. He had a little agreement with Charles Ingram. Oh, so that if he got, or if if Ingram got on the show and he didn't, yeah. he would help him and they'd split yeah. the winnings or whatever. Yeah, Have like you that. seen the thing they brought in when they, you know, they brought Who Wants to Be a Millionaire back with Jeremy Clarkson? I didn't. Yeah. So they they brought it back and he's now hosting, but they've got an, an extra lifeline. They've got a fourth life, li- oh, lifeline. It? Just ask the host. Just ask Jeremy and there was, I saw on Twitter, um, at the end of last year, there was this compilation that went round of it, of people asking the host and just Jeremy Clarkson sitting man going, I've got to be, I don't know. <laughs> he is also a wanker. I don't know. And then there was another one when he like absolutely was sure. Oh, really? And he got it wrong. Oh, Jesus. That's a nightmare. 
Why would you add that as a... Because also, like, Jeremy Clarkson, I don't think he's known... If it was like Stephen Fry or somebody, someone that most people consider to be like, general knowledge is kind of their jam. Yeah. Maybe. But I don't think I'd necessarily trust Jeremy Clarkson over a contestant on who wants to be a millionaire. I mean, he knows a lot about fast cars. Yeah, power. Power. Horsepower. And uh, other kinds of power. Just all power. He likes power. Being like a racist and and an old codger. Yeah, he knows a lot of racist, like nursery rhymes. Does he? Well, that's what he got done for, wasn't it? Did he? I don't remember this. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe thing. He got done for loads of things. He also got done for punching a producer on the face. Punching his producer in the face, yeah. Um, No, he just said that, because you know, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, the rhyme? Yeah. It's like a racist rhyme. Is it really? Well, I mean, we when I was a kid, we always said, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch a tigger by his toe. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. The dots are clicking for me. Yeah. He said that, you could hear him say it under his breath on a Top Gear special or something like that. Oh. Yeah. So that was one of the other ones. That's one of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right, like, it's such a weird little footnote in history. I'd never heard of it before. No. And even while, while I was watching the film, I was like, is this true? Like, I didn't actually even yeah. really know that it was a yeah. true story when I started watching it the film. It turns out it is pretty much entirely a true story. Yeah, like, it is a true story. I mean, there's obviously some dramatic license. There's some goofs. We'll get to the goofs. Oh, there's some goofs, is there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you hadn't seen Four Weddings and a Funeral? No, but I'd, Four Weddings and a Funeral was part of my... Like cultural knowledge. Yes. But this is the first time we've done a film. And I, I mean, it's taken a while. Hmm? Third film. Oh, yeah. And neither of us have seen we're it. So, buffs. Yeah, because we've seen, between what? us, we've seen two thirds of all films. Hmm? Between, yeah. Between the two of us, we've seen probably two thirds of every all the films. Out, out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, this is the first time that it's been a film that neither of us have seen yeah. for the podcast. I've not even heard and of not, it. And neither yeah, of us yeah. have even really heard of. And like, it doesn't, I don't think that's that. Rad. I think this is pretty... It's kind of been a forgotten film. Of the five nominated in 95, this, this is the forgotten one. The other four seem to be kind of cultural events. Huge yeah. cultural events. I think maybe... Is that maybe why it didn't... Didn't connect in the same way? We're not connect. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the... When you look at the cinema of that time... Okay, we talked about how Shawshank didn't do very well at the box office. It kind of got its name yeah. after. But like, Four Weddings and a Funeral pretty much uh, kind of creates this thing of... Brit humor yeah. in Hollywood, yeah, right. Rom coms of that era, that becomes. Yeah. I mean, again, like it's not a Hollywood film, but it hits so big in America, yeah, yeah. and then that kind of defines British rom coms from then on. Yeah, Forrest Gump is Forrest Gump. I mean, that's just it's a major. Huge. And then Pulp Fiction completely changes the landscape in terms of independent filmmaking. Yeah, and it, and for many, would they say is a nineties definite like a defining oh, film? Yeah, true. Right, kind and of the, that poster with Uma Thurman is, I'd say, nineties defining. Mm. But yeah, this... as, as a cultural event, that is even more so than Reservoir Dogs, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Pulp Fiction is the one where Tarantino becomes Quentin Tarantino, the yeah. name that you can put on the poster. And yeah. there's not that many directors like that. No, no. So I wonder if this film was bigger in the US because it's a very American story. Uh, as far as I can tell, it didn't even get a release over here. Right. That makes sense. because it... I mean, I, th- I think IMDb maybe lists a release date for the UK. Right. But if you look at like the box office results and everything. Mm. So this film did... 24 point about 25 million dollars at the box office and as far as i can tell that's that's also the budget was 31 really yeah so it makes a loss yeah and as far as i could tell it it had like the domestic on there and then its worldwide gross was also the same yeah so it must have just done a run in america but it's such an american story i think maybe they re-released it like they like we we spoke about with shawshank yeah after the awards got uh, there was a a, a bump definitely when um the oscars came out yeah 
I, yeah, I can't imagine anyone in Britain being too eager to go and see an American quiz show scandal from the 50s. No, it's kind of a tough sell. Yeah. It's kind of a tough sell in terms of, and that's not, I guess it's kind of what it's about. I think what I think is really impressive about this film is how much it manages to do with such narrow scope. It is a very specific piece of TV history that it's yeah. looking at, but it actually touches on it touches a on, lot. Yeah, a lot of, of class, a lot of um, a bit of racism. Uh, anti-Semitism. Yeah, it gets really deep into those characters. You fully understand every single character, their motivations, yeah. what kind of person they are. You've got Rob Murrow's accent, which is something. something yeah, to so it touches on Boston. Just it, it just it is comments. That, is on, it Boston? Comments on Boston. I thought it was like Southern. I have no it's idea. Supposed to be is it? New England. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. No. no, I don't think he's great in this film. I think he's okay. Other than his accent, yeah. but I don't think he's good enough to save himself from the fact that his accent is bad. Th- and also, he do- he's maybe got a bit of a hard ass because everyone around him is so good. Yeah. This film is acted like impeccably, unbelievably. Yeah. So, who's it? Ralph Fiennes is in this. Yeah, Ray Fiennes. Ray F- is it? Yep. I call him Ralph Fiennes, but uh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Ray Fiennes, yeah, who is very beautiful and oh, he's so beautiful. He he's such a pretty he's such a pretty yeah, man. which is. You sort of are surprised that he can act almost. It's in a weird way. Like he looks like such a movie star, but he is. Yeah, he's weird actually acting. because I kind of feel like I've never, I'd never really thought of Ray Fiennes as like a traditional leading man. Yes, and he's in Grand Budapest Hotel, which is a. Yeah, I mean that's an ensemble. I mean, I yeah. guess this is kind of an ensemble as well. I, I remember I was looking at the cast list. Look, when the credits rolled at the beginning, yeah. I was looking at it going like, well, who's the, who's the star? There's no star. It's kind of, I mean, like then you see Ray Fiennes and you go, oh yeah, shit, Ray Fiennes yeah. looks like that. Yeah. But because of what hap- because of his career, mm. I was kind of thinking like, is this just a bunch of character actors in an ensemble? And it essentially kind is. of is like that. I yeah. mean, John Turturro is the archetypical character actor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they yeah. even say it in the film, there's a face for radio, don't they? Yeah. Uh, and he, but he's great as the neurotic. He's amazing. Pa- almost paranoid, but kind of vindicated he's exactly right but he just goes about everything in the wrong way yeah absolutely uh all the characters seem like they're very intelligent but at the same time everyone's being people yeah yeah Mm. exactly and and everyone's got something to prove about themselves everyone has got a, a shadow they want to emerge from the other thing to consider is uh this comes out the year after schindler's list which sees ray finds playing a nazi is it? I've not so seen this, but... it kind of like there's that and then people goes... would have just seen him as that yeah, and then true. for him to come as this and be completely convincing as yeah. this like kind of heart throbby intellectually heart throbby but there's no he's he's not i don't know it's weird like he's not played off as a heart throb in 1994 but it's kind of played as though he was a heart throb in yes, 1959 yeah. which you totally buy yes uh so he's not he's almost a villain but he because he's played as an actual character and he's written as an actual character he goes on to do Strange Days the year after. Right. Which is... I've not seen Strange Days either. I love it. It's one of Catherine Bigelow's best Bigelow, films. Bigelow, yeah. yeah. Um, he, like, he's not a villain. Uh, John Turturro isn't a villain. Rob Morrow isn't no. a villain. There are no... Apart from, I, I guess, Dan Enright, who I don't know played Dan Enright. The difficulty is, I'm not sure how many of the characters you really like in this film. I think you, ca- I think you I, kind of like I kind of, them, of yeah. like Ray Fiennes because I want to like Ray Fiennes. Yeah. I like him as an actor. He's so nice to look at. Yeah. But he's kind of like spineless through a lot of this film. Yeah. He and he He goes along with the he fix, has some even though he, he says he doesn't want to at the beginning, but he yeah. goes along with it anyway. And he, he clearly what he wants is at the beginning is fame and 
Fortune recognizes. He, want, he wants more than anything, obviously, is approval from his dad. Yes. And I, well, I think he wants that. I also think he wants to be seen as having his own merit outside yes. of his relationship to his dad. I think yeah. he's a person that's lived in his dad's shadow. Because his everyone who meets life. him says, Oh, you're that the son of, yeah. yeah, you are Charles Van Doren son of you know like yeah, yeah. and i think he wants to forge his own legacy to some yeah. extent and he's effectively been given on a plate hey here you can earn your own money you can be famous in your own right people will know you for being clever and he's yeah. kind of going i am all these things and yeah. i'd never get that recognition because i am just seen as a van doren mm. and i think that's what really tempts him into it so i guess because in a way when i watched this film i had no idea where it was going mm-hmm. and i wasn't sure if he was going to cheat when if that he gets asked that question mm. i wasn't sure yeah if he was gonna well say i, yes I or thought no, he, he might intentionally get it wrong yeah and i think that i think redford maybe wants you to think maybe that. I, well, it depends how famous the scandal was in in u.s law i suppose that's true but you've got to imagine that he's making like yeah yeah that's true i suppose when you consider it's a true story maybe because if maybe they're expecting you to go in knowing what happened yeah if van doren was as famous as people they make out like he is the superstar of the late 50s for those this happens all in what 12 weeks or so i think so he's on the show for 14 weeks 14 weeks the so that's kind of where some of this dramatic license comes in because that isn't how it actually happened he wasn't on the show when the investigation took place Right. So the film basically condenses about three years of investigation into one. Okay. He had done his entire run on the show. Right. The incorrect answer that he gives at the end was part of the script. Okay. He had moved on. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. And then the investigation happened the year, a couple of years after, I think he was on the show, maybe the year after he was on the show. So supposedly Herb Stemple was the first person to agree to the fix. So the show started legitimately, but the ratings weren't good. Right. Then they, uh, they arranged this thing with Herb Stemple. Mm-hmm. And then kind of went for the ratings. Mm. And then, yeah, Van Doren was on for a, a long time. I think got up to about 130,000, which right. is, I looked up, is about 1.1, 1. 1.2 million is in today's really? money. Jesus. Yeah. So it was an actual, so it's Charles Ingram-esque. That's with that, because Charles Ingram is the only t- touchdown I have with game show. Yeah, but I guess the difference with uh, that is they didn't, no, he was doing. He was. He cheated the game show. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Along with the other, because obviously this is, it's entirely it, fixed. I suppose so. So it's effectively just a salary for acting, almost. Yeah, and that's the argument that Hank Azaria and um, yeah, I can't remember the actor's name, but Dan, uh, Dan Enright, Enright, yeah, it gives at the end. You want entertainment, and it's entertainment. Like yeah. it is effectively, and it sounds like that was how he sold him on it as well. Because Van Doren, so the film makes it out as though Van Doren goes in to apply for this tic tac toe yeah game show that's not it sounds like what actually happened was he was out and alfred alfredman was that his name Dan, no alfredman's hank azaria <laughs> what's going on <laughs> i think maybe we should look it up i don't know so anyway alfredman played by hank azaria uh saw van doran when they were out and asked him if he wanted to go on this show tic-tac-toe david Paymer, the actor that plays dan m right yeah uh so he actually approached Van Doren just out and okay. out in public. And Van Doren didn't own a TV. He didn't know what any of the shows were or anything. So he he'd, was, just, he'd heard he was of, just walking outside and someone asked him if he wanted to build I television. guess. I mean, he kind of looked like... So they ha- And then they came up with this idea of this Herb Stemple guy is not bringing in the ratings anymore. Mm. We need someone to take him out. We want... Van Doren. Van Doren. Like, and to be honest, the whole thing that like Herb Stemple says about them replacing a Jewish guy with like a wasp yeah. and then him do it, like, seems... Like that's kind of like what they yeah, were doing, absolutely. and then but the 
because he Herb Simple was loved as like a man of the people, supposedly. Uh, yeah. But then is kind of famous, but no one adores him. Yeah. But he, in his head, he's obviously thinks he is uh, the, the god of television. Yeah. And then Van Doren comes and the country goes ballistic. He's on Time Magazine for winning a quiz show. This is what I mean. I don't have many references. On Time he was actually on Time Magazine as well. Right. That bit's true. Like a lot of a lot of those key bits yeah. are true. You um, can imagine uh, there's only so much artistic license he, he took. They basically condense it, and yeah. they, and like it makes sense to have it with the investigation going on at the same time he's on so the show because there's a dramatic tension yeah, there. Exactly, yeah. Um, there's so there was a new Van Doren wrote a New Yorker article in 2008 or something. Okay. Um, going over it, like talking about the scandal, talking yeah. about his life since the scandal and everything. Um, so that's out there. And I read that and it's kind of interesting. That's out there to read if you kind of want the more Historical. true story. But obviously, we're kind of mainly concerned with the film. Yeah. Uh, did you know that um, this is one of my trivia oh, facts? hit me with a trivia fact. So no one wanted to... Is this as per IMDb's trivia? As per IMDb's... No, no, no. I, this is just from my industry knowledge. Okay. Um, so no one wanted to speak to uh, Van Doren to get his view on the film because everyone thought he would dislike it and not want to help him out and everything. But Fane's really wanted to speak to him and go and just so he could sort of pick up his characteristics mm -hmm. and pick up his mannerisms. So Van Doren went uh, and pretended his car broke down outside Van Doren's house and pretended to be a driver and just spoke to him for a bit. Oh, okay. Um, you don't seem that interested in that trivia. It took me quite a long time to get to the end of that fact. <laughs> you just kind of blew past it as if it wasn't interesting. And I realized it wasn't that interesting halfway through saying it. But I had to carry on. You had to get to the end of it. Okay. And if you could just give me the props that I deserve for at least saying So he wanted to help his performance, basically. He wanted to get his... Thank you. He wanted to get his accent, yeah, yeah. mannerisms, I guess. Yeah, no, it is interesting, actually, yeah. I mean, I've never seen Van Doren talk, and I've never seen the actual no. game show. I think Ray Fiennes is really good in this film. Yeah. As the character. I have no idea how true to life it is. It doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't uh, matter at all. Really. Obviously, Ray Fiennes uh, thought it did. Yeah, I guess. Maybe he just wanted something to go on. Because if he was you content just to walk up to him and say, hey, I'm my car's broken down and yeah. have that. I mean, how how long's that exchange? Not very long. So he probably just wants to maybe get a sense of the guy. Yeah. Maybe. Although it's Ray Fiennes, I guess. So from that, he can probably take like everything yeah. he needs. I was just looking up Ray Fiennes' career. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, so that, wow, this is early. He does Wuthering Heights and then something called the baby of Macon. Is that how you say that word? Macon? Macon? I don't know. Okay. Then Shinner's List, and then it's this. Okay. So this is really early in his career. But after this, like, he doesn't really go on to have a big leading man career in that same kind of way. He does a lot of character actor stuff, despite looking like Ray Fiennes. Yeah, I mean... He, Obviously he gets Voldemort. Yes, I, mean, I think he's perhaps, brilliant as Voldemort. He is really good, but that's maybe his best known role now, would you say? Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's probably what most people would he's know. He's in a few sort of, like, Clash of the Titans... Esque. He's in Skyfall. He's in all those Bond films. He's M now, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, he's actually he's a Shakespearean actor by. Yeah, I think training. maybe he does quite a lot of stuff on the stage. Yes, yeah, so he did. Cor Have you seen Coriolanus? No. Coriolanus is fantastic. So it's an adaptation of his Shakespeare, mm -hmm. um, and it's just an unbelievable performance from him. Yeah, and I think I'm not sure I've ever seen him really be bad in anything. Gerard Butler? No. I know. So he directs uh, Coriolanus as well. Yeah, Gerard Butler and Ralph Fiennes play the two. It's about brothers. Main characters. Yeah, I can't... I, it was a while ago I saw it. Um, Isn't Coriolanus a army general or something yes, like that? Yes, but they're, it's sort of set in modern day and they're, they're in the... It's the not a Shakespeare, I'm very... 
No, I, di- I didn't know it until I saw the film. I don't know the, the, yeah, yeah. Don't know the original. But it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. So they did actually get in touch with Van Doren. Right. Uh, when they were making the film. Yeah. And they offered him... Initially, they said it was going to be 50K. And then they said 100,000 if he would come on as a consultant. They should give him 130,000. Exactly. That yeah. would be nice. Um, on the film. Just to give it historical accuracy. And they already had Herb Stemple on board. Okay. You mentioned he wanted to tell his story. Probably, yeah. yeah. But based on the kind of guy that you seem to think he is, like, yeah, that the film makes might to be anyway. Uh, so, yeah. And then he was, uh, it sounds like he was inclined to take it initially because it was a case of, well, everyone else, they're going to be making it anyway. Yeah. They can say whatever they want. If I say no, they can say whatever they want about me effectively because yeah. they can just put it as... And he doesn't get a paycheck. And he doesn't get paid and everybody else does. Mm. But he talked it over. His wife never wanted anything to do with it. I think right. always just wanted to... It sounds like there were whole there was things where he was on TV for a while and then he was off TV and yeah. then some executives and stuff came and started talking to him about maybe getting back on TV and oh, doing okay. new shows and stuff. And he was kind of talking to them about it, talking about ideas. And his wife just the whole time sounds like she was like, no, like... What you don't, you're an idiot. Like, like oh, that does seem sensible. Yeah. And so uh, her thing was, I don't want anything to do with it, which I think is probably why she's not in it because that's another one of the inaccuracies. He was with his girlfriend at the time. Okay. Um, he got married before the investigation even started. Right. I think they had a kid or something. Like he's still married. Well, at least as of this 2008 article, he was still married. So that whole thing of him being like a bachelor. A bachelor. I, I don't know why they added it in. Maybe because she didn't give permission to use her likeness in the or film. Even if, yeah, even or if, they just thought it, it made for a better story. This or even idea if she, of, she wasn't into it. They didn't have to, maybe they didn't have to get permission, but didn't want to just bring in. Yeah. She's completely. So she pretty presumably. much wanted nothing to do with it. And right. so on her advice and on the advice of, um, I think it was his son's father-in-law. It's like some family, some member, of, right. extended member of the family who was a lawyer basically was like don't get like you, you end up the contract ends up just tying you in all sorts of knots yeah, so yeah. just don't bother so he turned it down seems sensible um i agree yeah um so that that was i guess maybe that's why they didn't maybe they wanted to bring him in as a consultant oh, for see. ray fines and fines and fines uh response to that was to go all right well i just sort of like mm. guerrilla tactics maybe it's completely untrue i mean i got it from imdb i think it's mentioned actually in uh, okay that article Maybe. I'm sure he talks about something to do with Ray Fiennes' performance. Because what uh, we've done is my all my research that I did. Didn't you have a goof? Oh, I've got a goof. Hit, me with, hit me with your best goof. Okay, so you know uh, when they do the Today Show. This is a segment we call Hit Me With Your Best Goof. Hit me with your best goof. Where Joel Abraham finds goofs from the IMDb trivia no, page. No, no, no. Titled Goofs, and he picks the top one. Oh, yeah. He doesn't even read the others. He just picks the top no, one. this is a goof. And then he says, it's, here's a goof. And then that's it. That's the segment. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. So what happens is... Get ready for the segment. I'm watching the film and I see some anachronisms. Don't do it. Don't do it. Anachronism. Okay, he's done it. So I see see an anachronism. Sorry. How can we watch this film? Okay, this is funny. Because it's funny. And what I may be doing is building this up too much because the anachronism is uh, on the Today Show, Mm -hmm. you see outside the window, right? And there's like... There's dogs. And there's oh, dogs yeah. When they, yeah, and the monkey. Outside, you see a South African flag from the Republic of South Africa. The Republic of South Africa wasn't a country. <laughs> it exist. In 1959. In 1958. So. <coughs> That's a horrible noise. Never do that ever again. <laughs> was it not good? No. That was an anachronism. That was it sounded the, like that. No, the, the goof is fine. 
That's, <laughs> is that's, it? That's, yeah, that is the. Per- it's fine. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect for hit me with your best goof. Hit that me is- with your best goof. <laughs> we're so far off the rails. <laughs> we didn't. We were never on the rails. We can't even find the rails. <laughs> the rails are a long way off now. Um, no, that's perfect for hit me with your best goof. Hit that me is, with your best goof. That is the exact kind of anachronism we want. Yeah, yeah. Don't ever do that noise again because <laughs> it sounded like you were choking on something. <laughs> Did a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, where, where were we? I, I don't actually know. Honestly, this is... Should we start again? So this is... Uh, and the Oscar goes to... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> don't do that again. <laughs> okay. So... Okay, t- tell you what, just give me your just give me your impressions. Give me your impressions of the film. Uh big fan of the film, I think. Uh every character I, I love a film where the every decision a character makes makes sense within that character. Every plot point that happens is a re- result of a decision a character makes that's within their uh their repertoire as that character. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of films fall foul of that these days is this plot just happens. Yeah. And uh, the characters react to the plot, but the, this film is fantastic because the characters drive the characters drive the decisions that the characters make have an impact on yes, the exactly. other characters, and that's and literally can, where the story comes from. And you can see almost from the beginning how the film's going to play out mm-hmm. because you can tell who the characters are. You've got John Turturro, Herbert Semple is a kind of paranoid kind I of. I think he's Jewish. <laughs> is he? I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Very subtle. Uh, yeah, character. I think there. there's a line in there at some point about how he's Jewish. Yeah, mm. um, but he's paranoid and thinks he's worth more than the world thinks he's worth. Yeah, you've got Van Doren who wants to prove himself to his father and as opposed to his father, and you've got Rob Morrow who is clearly very intelligent but has a uh, doesn't think of himself as as important as people like mm-hmm. Charles Van Doren. So he sees himself as maybe a little bit subservient to them. And then you've got Paul Schofield. Who is his dad? Oh yeah, who's just yeah, fantastic. Uh, so I looked at Paul Schofield. I don't really know him as an actor much. No. I think this was kind of close to the end of his career. I mean, I think he does that show older. with Hollywood. Have we now? That's again such a niche joke. <laughs> is it niche? I really, I really hope... the whole of the UK gets that one. Yeah, they get that one. They <laughs> love it. They all love it. I almost did call him Philip Schofield when I just said it. When I just said that because <laughs> yeah. when I see the name Schofield, I just you assume it's. Uh... Phil Scoff, yeah. yeah. Peace Mm-hmm. As we all know and love. But I think he had a pretty good career on stage. Uh, he's right. only got like 30-odd credits as an actor in film. Um, yeah, right. But I think he's kind of a big stage guy. And I don't know him from too much, but okay. he's phenomenal in yeah, this film. He's absolutely. like, I think probably him... I don't know. Everyone's everyone's so good in this film. You can see because you meet him. You can see where he steals every scene he's in. But yeah. then, kind of, so does John Turturro, and then I also so does Hank Azaria. I think Hank, Hank Azaria is brilliant. Really yeah. good in this film. Yeah. The, the dynamic between that. So Hank Azaria is Al Friedman, and uh, I've already forgotten his. I feel really bad about this. I've already someone Hamer, David. Yeah. Uh, their dynamic, they play the, the NBC execs that run the quiz show, and their dynamic is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, because he, I mean, he feels a bit, like, you know he's shady, Hank Azaria. Yeah. If he's into then you're like, okay, what, what are you up to, Hank? Yeah. So he kind of plays the, he plays an idiot on this, mm-hmm. but he, you know he's a lot cleverer than he's making out. And you know Dan Wright is the smooth face, possibly, on what Hank Azaria is. Uh machinating behind the scenes yeah um 
but but my point is you can from Schofield's performance you can feel why uh Charles Van Doren feels this need to impress and feels this need to define himself yeah definitely and you do get that feeling that he wants to step out of his shadow yeah as well but you can understand why I mean mm-hmm. Phil Schofield said well this guy's just great and even when he is doing that mm. you know he's up to because he, he gets up he's up to about 120 odd k or whatever yeah and he's at his dad's birthday and his dad doesn't even own a tv yeah and his dad like his dad basically just writes it off it's <laughs> there's quite a good line in when he goes to him and says um he's talking he, when he admits what has happened been going on he goes to columbia yeah. and talks to his dad and he says something like cheating on a quiz show isn't that like plagiarizing a cartoon or something oh, okay. like I, I can't remember the exact line. Just the pure but, disdain. But he's just like, why would anyone care? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's all just nonsense. You're all just silly. Which is a bit of like a stuffy, shitty attitude. But you're kind of like, you can feel that Ray finds the whole time is like, wait, the, everyone, like, I'm big. Important. Like, yeah, I'm, 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 important a, I'm a celebrity yeah. now. And like, I've made a lot of money off this and stuff. And his dad's just like, no, but what's important is your teaching. Yeah. You know, that $85, pound a week, uh, $85 a week job that you have at the university. That's what's really important. And you go at the end of the film, it sort of puts a full stop on that by saying he never taught again. You're like, you're almost yeah. a little bit devastated. You're like, oh, he didn't teach again. Yeah, you never, you've not seen him teach. You, but that, you might be that, a terrible that was teacher. Van Doren's biggest problem with the film, apparently, because he did get back to teaching. So. Right. He was okay, like, but I don't think it puts a it works. It works as a cap for the film. The only thing I would say is that I don't. I think of all the sections of a biopic or yeah. a, a historical drama, or whatever, the bit that you trust the most. Is that uh, the, the uh, what happened after yeah. cards? Uh, because it's the driest, and th- why would you ever, ju- you know, that does feel like dramatic license being taken with something which is just accepted as being giving you the facts. True. So you just you bit. kind of assume for the rest of it, okay, we we give you permission to dupe us. Yeah, because I also yeah. know that Van Doren doesn't look like Ray Fiennes. And, yeah, and also in that before we couldn't just go and Google what the story was, which we can do now. Yeah. So, um, Rob Morrow, his character. Yeah. Talks. Why do you talk like that? It's not good. Why do you talk? Yeah, no, it's not good. He's Um, from Boston. Apparently. This is not a good Boston accent. No, it's not. It's up there with the worst Boston accent. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, How do you like them apples? That's a really good one. Thank you. That's actually the best Boston accent. Are you from Boston? I'm from Boston originally, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is my my accent right now is a Boston accent. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my reaction to the film was similar to yours. I'd never heard of it, and... I was just like really pleasantly surprised. I don't know why I've not heard of it. I think it's the best film we've talked about so far. Absolutely. So what we talked about, uh, Shawshank, which is a film I really like, and Four Weddings, which yeah. I thought was fine. And this is... Better a, than both. Yeah, great film. It's really great. Like the acting is impeccable. Yeah. I think probably the thing that really makes the film sing is the script. Yes. Um, by Paul Watanasio. And it's... It's like it's like almost like Sorkin esque at points. Some of the yeah. kind of exchanges, just listening to these people talk, just mm. sounds really, really great. Um, uh, there's a seat. There's a bit in when Boston Boy is talking to oh, goes oh, to find oh. the um, president of NBC, and he oh, says something yeah. about how he's got him or whatever. And he mm. says, "Why, why are you the one that's sweating?" That is very Sorkin. I say, such such Sorkin me as if this this must be post Sorkin, the pre Sorkin, right? West Wing's on. That was probably about the same time, wasn't it? I don't know. I, I'm not good on no. the time. Have you seen The Newsroom TV? No. So that's written by... You know when something's just a bit too... Too much. Sorkin, was like, that the thing that never got off the ground? Yeah, it had three seasons, I think. It was oh, Jeff, okay. Jeff Daniels as a news anchor. Right. And it's just one of those... Every time someone has a conversation... They everyone's, have to get up and walk around and... Yeah, and everyone's answering like 
a question that was three lines ago. Yeah, it's like it's so like, almost doing a parody yeah. of himself. We're like, yeah, we get it. Okay, you're very clever. Um, and I just think what works so well about the script for this film is how it does take. I kind of said earlier, it takes mm. this narrow, narrow focus. Yeah, it is a fairly forgotten scandal yeah. from 1950s quiz show TV. Yeah. Um, although it does seem as though the quiz shows were maybe a bigger deal. Like, can you imagine someone being on the cover of Time magazine now because they're big on a quiz show? No, but he is a genuine test of maybe not intelligence, but at least knowledge. Yeah. It's, uh, it seems like he's At on, least it was supposed to be. He's doing an interview for this Tic-Tac-Doe, which is apparently like some quiz show for dullards. By the way they make and they're it asking out. him like, like intense really questions, questions about the Civil War. Yeah. yeah, and he knows all the answers. Um, but I think it, it's the way the script manages to go from that narrow focus and just touch on so many other themes. Like, it it's a film that encompasses what it is to be a celebrity. Yeah. It's kind of how the cult mm -hmm. of celebrity affects people. It's, it's about um, the power of big business. It's about TV in general, our relationship with TV. It seems to be quite... Especially at the dawn of what was yeah. becoming then, uh, obviously it's kind of quite focused on America, but a nation that is almost run by what they see on the TV. Because it just seems to me and as TV you said, is a, a, the villain in this film. Really. Sort of, yeah. Well, the NBC probably... Yes, yeah. Well, and as you said, like, it touches on anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, I think it, it even touches, not just in entertainment, but just in society. There's a point where... So, Rob Morrow's character, the investigator, yeah. is really reluctant to bring Van Doren in yeah. and kind of trash his life. But he doesn't seem to have any of the same things, any of the same kind of um, hesitations when it comes to Herb Stemple. And yes. it's because he's like seduced by this kind of like he's wasp, yeah. rich, white life that's going on. Yeah, he, His wife calls him the Uncle Tom of the Jews, which I think is quite funny. <laughs> that's good. Uh, see, he just... Like he respects him purely because of who he represents, and there's I think the whole film sort of builds towards you. Kind of feel sorry for Van Doren. You feel like you're pulled along in the same way that he's pulled along in this scandal because he doesn't want to do it, and then he's put on the spot on TV, and then he gets to the the courtroom and gives this speech about how I'm like I really want to stand on my own two feet. Mm -hmm. I was given these opportunities and I want to be able to... Everything was too easy. Everything was too easy. And everyone's like, oh, that's fantastic. And almost at the same time, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. That sounds so horrible. But then, yeah, like, One of the judges goes, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, Yeah, well, he just says like... I don't buy it. I shouldn't, because everyone commends him. And says, I can't, I'm not going to commend yeah. you for simply telling the truth. Like you're an adult and you told the truth. Yeah. Finally, yeah. after all this time, you've been lying and you eventually told the truth. I'm not going to com commend you for that. And he's right. Yeah. Mr. Van Doren, I'm also from New York, a different part of New York. I'm happy that you made the statement, but I cannot agree with most of my colleagues. See, I don't think an adult of your intelligence ought to be commended for simply at long last telling the truth. And then, like, it sort of breaks a spell. Immediately, you're like, actually, yeah, I've I've been charmed by Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. Yeah. Uh, can I call him Ralph Fiennes? I feel like you I can call him what you want, but it's uh, not his name. Okay. Uh, in the same way that everyone in this, everyone else in this film was. Just drop in the same way that Rob Morrow was, in the same way that those judges were, and you think, oh yeah, no, it sounds like that'd be very difficult for him. You can see why, but then actually, he's committed some crimes and yeah, duped the nation, so he needs to be held to account. 
Yeah. So in real life, there was 17, I think, contestants that were actually found uh, guilty of perjury in the second degree, I think, as right. like a result of the investigation okay. and everything. Um, so, so the investigation, mm. you get this Dick Goodwin guy. And the investigation starts quite late into the film as well. I mean, the synopsis of the film says that it's about the investigation, but it's not really. It's kind of about Charles Van Doren. Yes. And then there's this kind of plot that comes in later. And how, it's about how that affects Charles Van Doren. Yeah. And they say at some point that they want to take down TV, which I mean, sounds insane now, but I guess maybe in the late 50s, taking down TV was a thing that you could possibly do with one investigation. Like... Yeah. Like or TV is here to stay now. I don't think anyone could take it. You get the feeling more of what they were trying to do was take down the what TV had become. And like yeah. NBC is pure entertainment. It's not to inform anyone. It's just it's They're lying. Yes, they're lying. And it, it belittles it almost takes looks like they're championing intelligence, but what they're really championing is entertainment above at all yeah. costs. Which is I think what this film is driving is entertainment at all costs is vapid. And okay, so is that that's what you think? That's the takeaway from the I film. Think so, yeah. Now, how, what is your reaction to that? Uh, well, I get, I agree with that, and this film presents it in a way. It's like this is, this is clever entertainment. This is intelligent, thoughtful, character-driven entertainment, as opposed to this TV show, which is just a bunch of people pretending to do something not that. It's not what they're doing. It isn't that difficult to do? And yeah. just giving some answers to some questions that they already know and. That that was held up. That was on a pedestal as a champion of intelligence. Whereas mm. what is intelligence is this thoughtful, story-driven film that Robert Redford made. Yeah, I don't know much about Robert Redford in general. His directorial or no, I don't either. Theory. But in reading about this film, it seems like most people feel as though this is his best film. Right, which I would is strange agree. that it's been for all the films that I've seen of it. Um, it's strange. It seems to have been kind of so forgotten. Yeah. Um, I find this film left me feeling quite a sad at the end. Okay. Like it's not, I don't think it's a happy film. No. And I think you have this. So I was thinking about other films like this. Um, a lot of the ones that people maybe would think of is things like network or something like that. Something that shows the inner machinations of a TV network right, and all those yeah. sort of things. Right. But that wasn't what I got from it. I saw no. this. If you, if you look at it from the investigation, standpoint yeah i was thinking about it in relation to something like a few good men or even something like miss sloan like these things where you get they mount an investigation against mm. some big power right and i always feel though the the regular way those films play out is that the the big power is kind of brought to their knees and made right. to atone for their sins this doesn't happen in quiz show no. and it's it feels maybe more realistic but it also feels like it's almost it can almost be sickening when you look at mm. how nbc were at the right in amongst this you know it was nbc and geritol so what we haven't said is the geritol thing geritol is the sponsor 21 is a quiz show run by nbc we haven't actually really even talked about the plot of this film okay, so 21 yeah. is a quiz show run on nbc sponsored by geritol which i also thought was hilarious that it's like the late 50s like tv is just kind of on its way up and it's already completely ruined by sponsorship and ads yeah, absolutely because yeah. they have to take a break every now and again for uh the host to uh to talk about geritol yeah and martin scorsese is the geritol 
guy. He's really good, actually. He is. He is yeah. good. Um, and they know what's going on. They're driving it all. Mm. Like the president of NBC, the uh, the guy from Jarrett, they are the ones that are having all this passed down. Because you see the first, to the first thing in the film is, uh, the first thing you see in the film is uh, Jack, I can't remember his name, the president. Barry? Jack Barry, the presenter of the show, mm-hmm. just talking right at your face. His, yeah. his whole face Who's feels Who's Shooter McGavin? Hmm? Shooter McGavin? Who's Shooter McGavin? From Happy Gilmore? Okay. I, just, I don't... He also plays the uh, the quiz guy on Reckon for a Dream. Okay. Oh, really? You know, Ellen Burstyn watches the quiz yeah, show on yeah. TV all the time. I'm pretty so sure it's him, him that plays oh, that's really the quiz man. And I was like, I wonder how much of that was... Deliberate. Because that was only a few years after. That was like 1999 or something. So maybe it was like... So it was a, almost a one of those things, like that. a bit of a subversive yeah. thing, where it's like, he's so kind of smarmy as this mm. quiz guy. And then... I don't know, but I just thought it was interesting. He's kind of played a quiz master twice and he's good at it. Like he does yeah. kind of have that almost too smooth yes. exterior that kind of works. Yeah. Uh, he, but the, it's smooth. And, but then you look at the back end of the show, the, the production office mm-hmm. and, the, and there's calls being made all over the place because people don't like Herb and they do like Herb and yeah. the ratings are down that they can see immediately somehow. Uh, and yeah, yeah. you can tell, but like he's getting calls from, you know, from the beginning that everyone's in on it. Jared Toller calling him. Yeah, uh, NBC are calling him saying we need the reins up, drop herb. And so, what ends up happening with this film isn't that NBC gets brought to its knees. It's not what like that's what Dick Goodwin wants, but that's not what happens. What happens is they are that too big to fail. They have that. They're kind of they become invulnerable to it, and it sucks because that feels so real. It's very cynical, and it? it is very cynical and you have this thing of Dan Enright is in a position to implicate them. Yeah. But he feels like he wants to protect them because he still wants his, he wants to be able to get back into TV. I mean, you find out in the kind of end credits bit that they did go back into TV and ended up. Because Rob, Rob Murray was saying, look, you're never going, no, there's no chance you go back into TV yeah. after this. Sell them like out. Like they're doing this wrong. It's not just you. Whereas he says, no, NBC had no idea. And it just, at that moment yeah. feels like, that is the point where it could have switched around to be this really cathartic moment of the underdog taking out the... Yeah. But that's not how life works. That's not what happens. That's not what this film is about. And that's not what this film is about. This film is actually almost about the opposite of that. It is about these kind of overlords deciding what it is, deciding what we watch. Not only that, almost deciding how we feel. We have delivered these... And I mean, obviously, in today's age with like a trump as president and with reality tv all over the place people well, and pretending also, to be real and also the what well, the news the news in america now is, is yeah entirely run by a few people but just who have the tv landscape agenda. in general yeah. i mean it is all about convincing you that these people are real when yeah. they're obviously not like if you still think that made in chelsea isn't like is completely well, well okay <laughs> there's some things we can implicate in this podcast um and it it still feels really relevant. It may be even more relevant yeah. today. And I think that is what the, the script has done a fantastic job of taking out what is a very narrow focus, but they found the universality at the bottom of that. And so it yeah. still feels relevant. That's and like true. now perhaps more than ever. And when you see it through the lens of history and how TV has only grown, mm. for a lot of people, it's the only place they get their news. It's the only place they get only, they get any kind of information. Yeah, the, They have the power to convince you of almost anything. And it's... But on the other hand, you can't help but feel that the defense that kind of Dan Enright and uh, Al Friedman give is a practical and pragmatic one. Like, people don't tune in to watch. So it's, it, people will deceive themselves. People, 
Yeah, that no one tunes in to to see whether this guy can answer these questions. They tune in to watch a person have the potential, like maybe make a bunch of money. Like they tune in for the drama of it. Is it the money or is it the idea the that characters. someone is that intelligent is almost... So what they said, what it, what it seemed like they found was um, they found that if they had characters on the show, yeah. essentially someone that was kind of like unlikable and a little bit abrasive, you're mm. kind of Herb Stemple type. And then they were maybe putting together a run and then you have almost like this white knight come in and def- it becomes like a story, right? They're putting uh, together right. a narrative. So it's almost um, a bit like wrestling in a way. Yeah. Like, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's like wrestling. Yeah, wrestling. Yeah, wrestling. Yeah, wrestling. Uh, like they have these set of these characters like mm-hmm. to be caricatures of... Yeah. And to, it just turns out that uh, Herb Stemple and Charles Van Der Rohe are actually caricatures of... Yeah. Um, and they sort of like craft the narrative around it. And obviously what they found was in doing so, the ratings went up. And, every, right. and like he says at the end, the, uh, the, the contestants got paid. Yeah. The ratings went up and everybody tuned back in to enjoy their favorite... Who, who's the loser? No one's losing. They're, and he said, like, we're not hardened criminals. Not taking show business. Money. Yeah, yeah. And it, you can't help but feel like that is kind of true, but you don't want to accept it because that is, it feels grimy and horrible that anything, anything should be presented to be one thing when actually it is. Well, it's, it's truth at the expense of, uh, sorry, it's entertainment at the expense of truth. Yeah. Which is the, what, and this film presents both sides to you. I yeah, think. and I think it, I think it really looks at, I mean, another theme that I think it kind of is this idea of audience as merely paying customers, you right. know, potential dollars. That's all they kind of yeah. want. That you're only as good as how long you spend watching telly. And I think... And therefore, how much Geritol you buy. Exactly. Yeah. And like, okay, I would say that even now, again, the current climate that we're in makes this even more relevant mm-hmm. than ever. Because think about the way we consume things now. It's like online, for example, YouTubers make tons of money based on literally how many minutes you spend watching their video. Yeah. It's not even just clicking on it. It's how long you're there. How do they bring you back? How do you get them to watch to the next ad section that's been put and they in? They pretend to be a certain person in order to get you to do that. And then they get they sell their product placement. And YouTube, more than anything, is uh, the illusion of truth being manufactured and yeah. delivered to you. It's like a heightened reality. I don't really watch much. Many people. I know there's a lot of people on YouTube who just vlog. Yeah, I've never I don't. Well, I don't watch much of it myself, but like that is basically what they do. Right. It's they, they're gonna put out. That's not their life. Of course, no, it's not their life. No. Like you and wouldn't want to watch your. You wouldn't want to watch your life on. You'd be like, oh. whoa, whoa, no. Um, and I think I think the film does a really good job of exploring all of those things and touching on them and actually yeah. having kind of intelligent things to say about them. And it doesn't leave you in a black and white scenario. It is kind of gives you everything and goes hmm. like I, I there is of, a great. I kind of. A, I can see Dan Emmerich and Hank Azaria. I, I'm going to call them Dan Emmerich and Hank Azaria yeah. because that's how I see them. But I can see their point of view. I don't agree with it, but they're not they're not hurting anyone. No, the thing that I think the thing that maybe makes me feel a bit queasy about all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and what they were doing and why it worked and stuff was it, uh, the reason it works. The reason they can get people on. And they were all quiet and they all went along with the fix and all of that. It's yeah. because if it's, it's kind of like you've got these like elite, this network got shitloads of money behind them, like dangling money in front of people yeah. and getting them to dance for it effectively, which feels kind of gross. But even these respectable old money, uh, white upper class American who shouldn't really need to be, obviously he's not paid that much, which seems like a big injustice in the film that he's got a, 
um, quite low paying job. Yeah. Because he's Charles Van Doren. Yeah. Um, but like he, he falls for it. He's as someone who was brought up in a without television. Uh, there's that bit where um, Dick Goodwin goes over to Van Doren's house. Yeah. Um, and he says, "What? So you, they offer you fame and twenty thousand pounds? Yeah, all of this. Um, and um, you wouldn't you wouldn't do it." And Dick Goodwin says, "No, I yeah. wouldn't." But he never was in the position. No. Because you know two people... And how many people can, do you know that have... That say things like that? Yeah. That say things about... I mean, you can see it anywhere. But I mean, you look at stories that come out about rock stars or movie stars doing awful things. People go, oh, I'd never do that. Of course I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But you weren't in the position to do it. Like, you yeah. don't have the choice. You're not sitting there with something in front of you, whether it's drugs or mm. whatever it is. You, you can very easily say you wouldn't do it. But it's a bit of a different thing yeah. to do when somebody literally puts it in front of you and goes, do you want it? Yeah. And I mean, obviously, as we see, like you were saying with Herb Stemple, he's a guy, guy that kind of feels like he's not being given what he's deserved. And yeah. uh, Van Doren is a, a person is his father's shadow or whatever. But it just goes to show we all have those weaknesses oh, that could be exploited. Yeah. yeah. And do you think Rob Murray would in, uh, if Rob Murray was put in that situation, do you think he says yes? I don't he, know. He has things to prove. He wants to... He, he's he likes answering these questions on the tv show he likes people to yeah think that he's clever he's stuck in this job where everyone he's like he's top of his uh that's the thing i don't feel as though yeah he constantly goes on about being top of his class at yeah. harvard and i don't think he has the moral indignation that maybe he pretends to have yes. i think or he is he, doing that investigation because if it breaks because the other thing is he doesn't just want to conduct the investigation and find the truth like he keeps talking about taking down tv yeah and i think the reason for that is because he wants to be the guy that exactly. took down tv Absolutely. yeah he is only interested in that investigation as far as it mm. furthers his career effectively so he's in it for his own games so everyone like all people want to do in this film live up to their potential why do you think they open the film with the sale of a Chrysler. Oh, so that's the opening of the film. So I the guess the opening scene of the it's film. Not a sale of a Chrysler. So Rob Morrow. Uh, Rob Morrow is in a showroom, yeah. looking at a Chrysler car. Like he's got a big cigar. I really like the opening shot because you see, you just see him walk alongside the thing. Yeah. At the front of the frame is the um, the rear light of the car, mm. and then he puts his he runs his hand along it. He walks off, and then you see the salesman's hand come on with oh, a yeah, with napkin, cloth. like a cloth, yeah. and wipe it off. I thought I don't know. I kind of I like that idea of. I think it sets the tone of it being maybe all about appearance. Yeah, this idea of immediately wiping off any mark, you know, it, and the showroom environment and everything is all kind of false, and it's all about presenting a, a packaged thing. Yeah, I think it's also sets a scene for the film being about looking the thing you can't have right so it's like mm -hmm. the he wants this car he can't afford he obviously can't afford that car he lives yeah. in a small apartment with his wife uh or his girlfriend and he is striving for something at least pretending that this is attainable for him. so do you think that that is maybe some evidence to suggest that he would take the quiz show role given the chance I, it allows it that would be his av his you know like everybody has the thing they want yeah and we've talked about what those motivations are for the other characters maybe for him it's having money having a nice car having a luxury lifestyle if somebody said to him for 14 weeks of work yeah if you act the role we'll teach you what to do 
we'll mop your brow and yeah. everything, you can afford that car. Like, do you think he, he does? Is that what that's supposed to be shown? That know. everyone has that? I think kind of, because and then he has that argument with his, I don't know if his wife or his girlfriend, I presume it's his girlfriend. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but she says like, she obviously sees right through him and says, you you want your, you're giving him too much leeway, Charles mm-hmm. Van Doren. Because, this is when she calls him Uncle Tom of the Jews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you like almost worship wanna, him. Want to be him. Yeah, exactly. You've been and, seduced by him. Yeah. In the same way the nation has. And he, I don't know if he would. His argument is, it, I don't saying. want to ruin a guy's life for the sake of yes. this. And that is something which, again, maybe is why I was left a little bit sad at the end of this film. Because you look at it and you go, the only people that got hurt other individuals it's the two people got that hurt, were being Dynamite and Hank Azaria, like. that were being exploited we, but even they weren't really because they came back years later True. and became millionaires yeah. it's kind of like the reputations of people like Van Doren and Herb Stemple and it's these individuals that were exploited to begin with mm. and your big network is sitting there completely untouched yeah. unimplicated in the whole thing and this whole investigation has gone forward and all that's happened is the individual has been like brought to shame yeah what's that achieved you know it hasn't achieved anything and i think that's what he wants that's what he's trying to say to his wife is why am i going to ruin a guy's life when all i care about is that these big wig studio also, heads get what that's yeah. coming to them i don't care what happens problem. to van doren like almost it, you, he does care because if he brings van doren on stage they've got a scapegoat yeah they've got him to put up as the poster boy for cheating on this show but it is interesting also, there, that's, and I think that's where this film operates. This film always is operating in that kind of gray area in the middle yeah. of giving you both sides of it. Because you can see what he's saying, mm. but you can also understand that what his wife's saying is, but why would you, let, like he is the key to this whole thing. He's yeah. the one everybody knows. He's the big ticket item. And you're letting him go because what, you want to be him or you like... You, I think he feels a bit subservient to him. I think he yeah. feels like... Well, yes. and that, Okay, so that's where I think this idea of... Um, the societal roles that we place on say like the Jew- like Jewish yeah. people are, are compared to say wasps. And it's this thing of, he is a person that almost casts himself in the role of subservience because yeah. of the fact that he's Jewish and he's almost been told his whole life that that's what he is. Yeah. It's interesting because you said that Van Doren was exploited. Well, I just mean to say that if you're going to look at it anyway, the studios are the people that are really benefiting. They're, they're using pieces in order to yeah. bump, bump up their profits and get the ratings up but you're probably right he wasn't necessarily exploited because he did get something out i think of it. the film almost leads you down that path and that's what i mean like that's why i love the courtroom scene so much because the film leads you down this path of maybe you're kind of on his side you can yeah. see where he but actually wrong. he agreed to it he could have at any point said no exactly. i don't want to do it and it's wrong you see this everyone thinks okay maybe he's a great guy and then this one judge says what like no you were involved in this you were clearly lying to the yeah to the public whatever idea you have of yourself as a guy who's despite his wealthy back upbringing was sort of forced mm-hmm. on a path it's not true you're not forced on that path. but i think it's maybe this idea of it is more sinful to tempt than to be tempted yes you know like to be tempted by something is human but to do the tempting that is much more calculated and perhaps much more insidious and i think that's maybe the argument the film is also making against the studio also interesting that they use all the real names like the show was called 21 yeah it was nbc you know you'd think like all those names are real the characters names are all real so did it i think there was no flack post this film from i don't think so not really any kind of backlash against nbc or i think so I but it says at the end of the film that no one knew that nbc were involved they, they remained 
So how if in, no one knew NBC? And then involved, the film comes out and NBC like, what the fuck? Do you like, mind, Rob? <laughs> Rob. Bobby Redford. Uh did you think how do they know that NBC were involved then? Was there Well, I think maybe talking like there right, was a, so there, there was also a documentary about it a couple of years oh, earlier. Okay. Night two, there's a documentary about the whole thing. Right. Um which I haven't seen, but good yeah. film. I liked it. Four and a half stars. Yeah, I, yeah, I really was impressed with it. Um, I think it, just go watch it. I, I think it is genuinely criminally underseen. I don't think yeah, it's absolutely. underrated. I think it's massively underseen. Yes, I, I'd like, the fact that I'd never heard of this is sort of uh, a crime. It's kind it of insane, yeah. genuinely a fantastic It's movie. one of the better films of the 90s that I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would in, say. I would, I'm tempted, at the moment, out of the three I've seen, this is the best one. Yeah. And I can see it being better than, the other two. I haven't watched oh, no, sure. Pulp, Pulp Fiction is pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched Pulp Fiction for a yeah. while. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, it's really long, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it's like two and a half hours, isn't it? Yeah, because it's like three different films. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, and Forrest Gump, I really like. I've not seen, so that's going to be a new one for me. I think maybe we'll have some opinions about that. Uh, but yeah, good film. Should definitely watch it. And I, I will absolutely watch it again. I'll watch it again. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I think it, it just hangs together really, really nicely. Yeah. Also, I accidentally bought it on Amazon for eight ninety nine. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. Mm, I rented it because I'm. Because that's clever. Smart. That's a clever thing yeah. to do. Smart. Okay. Um, how long do you want to just do you want to just fill another like hour and a half? Just, just real quick just to make sure it's the same length. as... Yeah, just because otherwise it'll be a little bit out of t- out of touch with the uh, the short cap, which I think was four hours long. Yeah, I, for, well, the cut down version was four hours long. I'm yeah, yeah, I think we recorded uh, for sixteen hours, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I, was it all recorded? Because we definitely want to be making sure we burn some of that stuff. Cause yeah, some of it went oof. pretty. Ooh. I, can't ooh. Believe, I, can't, I can't believe what you did. You won't want to even hear it. You'd be sick if you heard it. I'm being sick right now thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good episode to start on, I think. <laughs> Just start and never finish. Yeah. Episode, yeah, I think tell you what, yeah, what really doesn't alienate listeners is a, is a really, really long first episode in which you give a fairly tepid response to one of the, yeah, the culture's favorite yeah. <laughs> yeah, films of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel like I want to just keep talking about this film but like you just end up going over the same yeah absolutely bits. Yeah. what don't is there anything you didn't really like other than so rob morris boston accent rob morris boston accent. i didn't love him no i don't love his performance in i general. think especially uh comparing him to everyone else mm-hmm. just seems a bit i think he does get drowned a little bit in what yeah. is a really good ensemble i think hank azaria is genuinely fantastic yeah he sees he almost steals almost every scene he's in yeah because he's he feels shady but he's quite fun and you kind of want to be his friend he's very funny yeah yeah uh, i mean hank azaria has just got good comic timing and yeah. he uses it because he's not been any anything else he's not been any good cartoons or anything has he? no i don't think so no cool um things i don't like i wouldn't say i'd have to i definitely want to watch it again and mm-hmm. maybe form some more uh see if there's anything i missed first time or anything but i don't think there's anything i really hated no uh, I'll tell you who is actually really good is um, Herb Stemple's wife. I don't know who yes. plays her, but she genuinely is. She's really good. Yeah, because you feel like she when she walks out, when she finds it, cause she doesn't know he cheated. Mm-hmm. He She knows that he took a dive. Yeah. Um, yeah, he only tells her, hmm. they've asked me to take a dive. But yeah. as far as she's concerned, and then it's only later, isn't it? And she disappears again when yeah. he's in the thick, because he's saying to Dick Goodwin, I know he's been given the answer. Because I was given the answer. And she, like you can tell that to her, that's a, like a complete betrayal. Yeah, because a she lied to her, he lied to her, and the public. Well, that's what she says, isn't it? He says something about, "Oh, 
who cares what a bunch of uh, I can't forget the word he uses, but effectively like who cares what a bunch of like schmucks think? And yeah. she says, I was one of those schmucks. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, damn. It's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think it's a good kind of way to encapsulate what the film is getting at. It is only a small story, but it, it has ramifications. Yeah, it has ramifications in its the uh, implications of its kind of philosophy, if you will. It is yeah. that general question that comes from a very specific circumstance that is maybe more interesting than the specific circumstance itself. And I think yeah. I think the film does a really good job of not getting too caught up in the specific storyline it does do a very good job of covering that plot and those characters but it does bring out those the drama isn't whether he finds the proof or no. whether he gets convicted because a presumably people in america knew what was going to happen at the time anyway and b the actual drama is found in the characterization and it, the the relationships between the characters it's the exact kind of mid-budget film that you just don't see anymore which is such a shame and it's such a shame just not be made now the no it's only gets it was made a 30 million dollar budget like p- things don't get made unless they're either 10 million dollars or less or like 80 million dollars yeah. i mean that's obviously an exaggeration but and it uh, maybe this kind of film is why because no one went to see it like it didn't make money it's at the box office shame, yeah. and so why would they keep making things and we had the same thing with Shawshank redemption you'd probably put that in the same yeah category yeah. um and it no one goes to see it but it is a uh, like an adult drama with a really good script that is happy to exist in that moral gray area and actually have kind of come to the discussion and consider it from multiple sides. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the th- thesis of the film, if you will, is necessarily com- altogether clear and it's not preachy. But it's not trying to be, it's not trying to say this is our thesis. It's just No, to exactly. Say, That's kind of my point. Look, life is messy. Life is, is yeah. This, you can't, no one in this film is all that good. No one in this film is all that bad. Yeah. Apart from probably the NBC, the head of the NBC. It was a dick. Yeah, he's not great. Yeah, so this film, if it gets made now, it gets made as a, this is like, how dramatic was this yeah. quiz show? Like, are they going to get found out? What, all the backroom machinations and the the plotting and there's big a big score behind it that makes it seem very uh, on the edge of your seat. Mm-hmm. So I think, th- yeah, this film gets made now as a Charles Van Doren biopic. Yeah. With the same, I imagine it has that. Same uh, trailer, which is where the little paperclip comes up and says, it looks like you're making a biopic trailer. Uh, yeah. Type in yeah. the names and it just does the rest for you. Yeah. That is kind of what that film becomes, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so it gets nominated for four Oscars. Right. No one goes to see it, but it does critically pretty well. Yeah. I think it was pretty much universally acclaimed across the board, but mm-hmm. I guess maybe that just wasn't enough. Uh, it gets nominated for four Oscars, obviously Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Redford gets the direct nomination. Uh, Schofield gets... Uh, nominated for best supporting actor which is totally fair i think for the amount of i think that is as far as i can tell reading the real what i've read of the real story and comparing it with the film that is probably the most bit of that is the the largest amount of fabrication okay because charles van doren did not want anything to do with the film he didn't want to be a consultant they don't really have his testimony to go on so i think probably what redford does is he looks at this guy and he goes right here's a kid from a famous literary family mm. whose dad's a poet and critic and people know his name etc what would that relationship look like and at the heart of this film kind of forms the spine of this film is this relationship between yes van doren and his father Which is what three scenes it's not even that much but like schofield makes such an impact and yeah. you feel his presence in everything you feel his presence in every decision like the Charles decision makes, makes or like the first one he makes when he's on tv and he doesn't want to 
uh, cheap, but at the same time, he's kind of... He sees his moment to step out on yes. his own. And I mean, there's also that thing of, you almost wonder. So when he first goes on, yeah. he introduces himself and uh, and then Jack Barry says to him, oh, Van Doren, is that the same Van Doren of uh, Max Van Doren? Yeah. And he kind of like feigns, you've got me doing it now, finds has this great kind of beat where you're like he didn't want him to say that yeah. he doesn't want to be there as charles van doren son of max van doren yeah. and so he kind of says yeah yeah that's me and then you almost wonder how, if jack barry hadn't said that would he have cheated true or would uh, is it the Everything fact that now yeah. he knows that the audience that's in their mind he goes no i want to win this show i want to be my own person i want people to respect me not respect my last name yeah but he still um, takes like He's got two easy options to to become uh, revered. Yeah, and he picks one of them. Like, like he could be the son of Max Van Doren, or he could be a cheat on a quiz show. Yeah, or he could be his own person and stand his own feet. Because by all accounts, he is like he's clearly very intelligent. He's yeah. very charming. He yeah. would work as on TV as a host. But um, and so yeah, so he gets the. Um, Supporting actor yeah. nomination in a deserved role and adapted screenplay. It didn't, didn't win any of them. I guess it lost best picture, best director, and adapted screenplay to Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, um, which I feel like I want to be outraged about, but because I haven't seen Forrest Gump, I can't be. So at least you, you've preempted your opinion and you can go and. Well, no, it's not even. That. I don't. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that nobody's seen this film. I've just discovered it this yeah, week. Yeah. I think it is really, really excellent. I think of those things, the screenplay is fantastic. I think it is yeah. directed with a really, really strong hand from Robert Redford. And I think it is a great film. Now, like I say, probably my pick, if I'm just going right now, having not seen it in a while, my oh, pick for yeah. best picture would be Pulp Fiction yeah. that year. But. It, I think it's just the fact that Forrest Gump is this massive, like, yeah. uh, kind of home favorite that makes like the kind of hipster in me wants to be like, no, Quiz Show should have won. You just want to be contrarian. Yeah, probably. Who knows? Maybe I'll watch Forrest Gump and fall in love with it and be like, it, it should have won more. Should have won more than it. how much did it win? I like quite a lot. I think maybe like five. Yeah, it won six Oscars. Six, six Oscars. Yeah. Best picture. Uh, best so actor, best director. Uh, best that's the screenplay best editing that's it uh yeah quiz show really fucking good yeah very good film go and watch it definitely definitely try and find it if you can it's on amazon prime it, you gotta rent it's it it's prime, not yeah. it's not yeah it's on the video and yeah i think you can even rent it on your youtube or whatever so they've never done that is that a, like a they have like a very similar selection to what amazon has as far as like right okay. so i just need yeah. to do it on amazon because i've got the stick in my tv oh yeah yeah the fire tv stick thing uh, okay, so let's play a little game, and yep. then we can move on. Yeah, I guess so. We can we can we can fuck off for another couple you... weeks. Okay, here's the bit you've been waiting for. Yeah, this is what this is why you put it at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't put games at the beginning of podcasts because everyone will just listen to the game and then. Because also leave. everyone, no one gives a shit about what we think about the quiz show. No, not not the quiz, just quiz show, just quiz show. But they want to hear this because whoa. Yeah, so I can't. I, I I honestly can't remember who went first last week. I think. Uh, it was you give you gave me Beauty and the Beast. I think I went first with Beauty and the Beast because I really stumped you with that one because it was really good and I did really well. Yeah, that sounds about right. Let me. I'll go first. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to get this one. Oh, so um, something that we decided, which goes in contrary to what I said in the previous episode, oh, I yeah. think we do the bonus points regardless. Yes. So even if I have to give you a few cues, you get the bonus points okay. just because I think it's more interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
famous last words. Should we come up with a jingle? We need a jingle, I think. Oh, we talked about this. I said I wanted you to sing the My Chemical Romance song, Famous Last Words, and you said that you wouldn't. I don't know. That, well, I don't think I know the song. Okay. I don't think we can just take it because there's probably copyright issues there. <laughs> just, just using <laughs> my code. Just the whole thing as well. Just I could just... cover it. Yeah, okay. Go. I could like, no, like, well, I, I can't sing. I, I can't actually play any instruments either, but I did piano <laughs> as a kid for a little bit. I could probably learn it. I get the sheet music out. Right, so you're going to get the sheet music to Famous Last Words by Mike Chemical Romance. You're and I'll put it, yeah, as a jingle now. Famous Last Words. Yeah, that'll be the end. I'll play it on piano and then <laughs> and then we'll go into it with that. Okay. Do you have a piano? i got a keyboard somewhere okay. in the loft or something. Do you have a loft? Yeah. Hmm. And a shed. <laughs> a lot of storage. Shed. Yeah. A lot of storage right now. And a coal shed. For your coal. <laughs> well, obviously, you have a coal shed. <laughs> yeah. For your fireplace. Where's your, you don't have a fireplace? No. Okay. Oh, I'm actually showing you the answer to the other one. I just folded my book back on itself. Did you see it? No. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna fucking get it, aren't you? And be like, oh no, I didn't see it. I just know it. Yeah, well, I just know it. It's okay. Famous. This one, I think you'll know. Shawshank Redemption. Last line. Okay. You met me at a very strange time in my life. That's the last line. Mm-hmm. You met me at a very strange time in my life. That's not ringing any bells. I gotta think. Strange time. You're really focusing on the word time there. Okay, I'll read it differently. You met me at a very strange time in my life. Oh, okay. So it's I about mean, does life. that change it? It's about life. Uh, life of pie. Is <laughs> <laughs> that my life? <laughs> yes. It's kind of like theology, isn't it? Like he goes through all the different religions in that. Is that about a tiger? <laughs> theology. <laughs> Sorry. This fucking idiot. <laughs> it's about a tiger boat. It's about a tiger yeah, on a boat. It's on a boat with a tiger. It is not Life of Pi. Clue number one, this film was released in 1999. 1999. It was a good year. Really good year. Phantom Menace came out that year. Is it Phantom Menace? No. Are you actually using that as a clue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not Phantom Menace. The Matrix came out that year as well. But it's not is that it, either because I did that last did week. did the Matrix last week. And I smashed it. <clears throat> clue... Number two, this okay. brings you down to three points. Right. Based on a novel. The line is, you met me at a very strange time in my life. Right. Released in 1999 and based on a novel. I don't know it. Do you want to throw out any film from that year? Or? No. Okay. Clue number three, for two points... This film currently sits at number 10 on IMDb's list. Oh, shit. Uh, 99. Number 10. I looked at this list probably today. Oh, fuck. I don't know. I can't think. Do you want the final clue? Yeah. Film is directed by David Fincher. Okay. So 99 is... So David Fincher did... So I'm trying to think of David Fincher film. So he's got, it's not Fight Club, it's not Button, it's not Seven. You met me at a very strange time in my life. It's not Seven. Released in 1999, based on a novel. Ah, shit. Sits at number 10 on IMDb. How am I not getting this? Directed this by David Fincher. Be... Those two clues are the ones that are going to be the big for you. Based on a novel, sits at number 10 on IMDb. And it's, and it's a David Fincher. And David film. Fincher. I'm getting, I don't understand. I, You're going to kick yourself. I looked at David Fincher's own profile today, and I looked at the top ten, top hundred IMDb films. Just say the big Fincher film that you're thinking of. Mm? Just say whatever. Fight, it's not Fight Club. It's a Fight, Fight Club. Club. Yeah, that's the end of Fight Club. Yeah, 
they're standing at the top of the tower while all, they're watching all the blanks be blown up. I just feel like and I the pixies the are end. playing. And then he says he's talking to Marla, and he says, "You met me at a very strange time, Marla." I just feel like I, the reason I didn't say Fight Club was because I feel like I would know. You would the know Fight the Club. final line of Fight Club. Yeah. So that is that's for one point. Now the bonus point because you've actually just broken the first two rules. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Is the first the first two rules you don't ever use Fight Club as the answer in a movie related quiz show? Uh, no, that's rule one, and obviously rule two is that um, you can't mention David Fincher's name. Okay. Um, so, Fight Club is based on a novel of the same name by a Chuck Palahniuk. For the bonus point, please spell Palahniuk. It's like Palahniuk. Fuck. A L. <laughs> yes. H. No. Oh God. P A L A H N R U K. No bonus point. That's one point. That's a ri- for, that's a bad performance. That was very terrible. From you. If... Okay. So the last sign that I'm giving you. Okay. Son of a bitch stole my line. Oh no! I recognise that. Yeah. Son of a bitch stole my line. Let's cut this out for a bit. Yeah. Give me some thinking time. Okay. Can you do me a thinking jingle, please? I want you to jingle every segment we do on the podcast, by the yeah? way. Yeah? Yep. Okay. He's thinking about film. He can't think as I'm saying it, and he can't think what I'm thinking. He can think. Son of a bitch. He stole my line. Good all hunting. Yes, it is. Good pull. Thank nice. you. Nice. Uh, do you have a bonus question? I do have a bonus question. Mm-hmm. Can you name the film where... The two writers of Good Will Hunting mm-hmm. starred as angels. Dogma. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Six points. Another six point That's game. That's definitely a lot easier than how do you spell fucking Palanoic or Paulanic. Or... It is. I, I, I ha- there are no rules on what these questions. No, clearly. Also, if you've ever, I guess, it just depends if you know how to spell Paulanic, doesn't it? I knew vaguely that there's some U's and K's nice. <laughs> <in there. laughs> I thought it was a quite a creative uh, yeah, bonus question. We said we wanted to make these clues harder, to be fair. Yeah, I've not... I've, I was, what were your other clues for the Good Will Hunting? So I've got the first me? line, which is... Uh, well, if you can give me the... I'll give you another bonus point if you can give me the first line. Oh, uh, Christ. Um, no. Uh, Mod Effect Squared DX is the first line of the film. Is it? Yeah. Jesus. Said by Stellan Skarsgård. And then what were you going to do, like, stars uh, and... Just the year. Years and stuff yeah, like that. yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a, I was going to give you the little bench fact. That bench was uh, is now memorialized to Robin Williams. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, then. Number two. Last lines. This is a slightly longer one. It's an exchange between two characters. I'll okay. try to leave a pause so you can tell. Mm-hmm. I can't see anything that I don't like about you. But you will. But you will. You, you know you will think of things. And I'll get bored with you and feel trapped because that's what happens with me. Okay. Okay. I don't think I gave a very good reading of that because I couldn't read my own handwriting very well. I'll give it to you one more time. Okay. I can't see anything that I don't like about you. But you will. But you will. You know you will think of things. And I'll get bored with you be- and feel trapped because that's what happens with me. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay. So she like a manic pixie doom girl type? I'm not giving you any more clues. Okay, I'd like my thinking jingle, please. I'm not the jingle guy. Well, I can't do my own thinking jingle. I'll play the jingle that you did for me again. But that doesn't work, because if you're not saying it out loud, then it's not actually distracting me. Oh, is that the point? Yeah, I was trying to distract you. Oh, okay, yeah. That was what my jingle was about. Oh, I see. I know the film. 
I don't know. Give me a second clue. Released in 2004. I love this film. Give you that clue for free. I'm going to kick myself about this. Uh, I can't see anything that I don't like about you. But you will. But you will. You know you will think of things. And I'll get bored with you and feel trapped because that's what happens with me. That line is kind of sums up part of this. Yeah. What right. happens in the story of the film? It's like a. Is it like a 500? It's, not, it's obviously not 500 days somewhere, but it's something long. It's, it's not 500 days somewhere. Because no, it was much later, but. I don't know. Okay. I hate this game. Just FYI. It is one of those things where it, like, it gets it really in your head and then. Crawl, yeah. Okay. You want another clue? Yeah, yeah. For three points. I think you're going to find this clue annoying. But it is, I think, actually kind of helpful. It has a six-word title. Ah, uh, come on! It's quite a long title. It's 2004, so I was nine. You asked me, would I have watched this film when I was nine? I don't think so. Okay, that really limits my guessing power. Do we have to do that another three times? <laughs> yeah, actually, can we get another take on that? that? Really limits my guessing power. Can we get it on? Uh, can we get m- more emphasis on power? Really limits my guessing power. Okay, and then um, and then just go, just go wild with it. Just like just put, <laughs> the, put, put the emphasis, <laughs> <laughs> put the emphasis on the word that you think will be the least likely to have emphasis on the sentence. That really limits my guessing power. Yeah, I think that's what we we'll use. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't that? Do me to the laugh again, please. Yeah, I don't think I can. No, no I'm not in the moment. Okay, I'll sign by it. Okay, double it. Uh, I don't know. Yes, you do. Have I, a guess. Come on. I can't think of any six-word titles, films. That is one of those clues, I think, that like throws you. It can either, once you get it in your head, then you yeah, suddenly yeah. start going, oh, is it this? No. Is it this? No. Because mm. you, you check the number of titles. Okay. I feel bad. Like I felt my clues would be much harder this week. Yeah, yeah. My, I think my next one you'll get on the first one as well, but we'll see. Won an Oscar for original screenplay. I was going to give you the name of the screenwriter here, but I don't know if that makes it too obvious. And then I, I'm not sure how well you know this is a screenwriter, so I'm just going to give you... It won an Oscar for original screenplay. Can you tell me who won the Oscar? I think that's fair. Okay, Charlie Kaufman won the Oscar for original screenplay. I recognize the name, but that doesn't help. You're absolutely exposing yourself there. Am I? Yeah, I think most... Oh, if, sorry, there's any, if there's any like film nerds listening to this podcast... That was, that was funny. What did you say? I said I'll put it away. <laughs> I didn't actually hear. That. I was too busy talking about myself. Well, oh, not talking about yeah. myself, but yeah, any real like film nerds uh, listening to the podcast are going to be like, oh, this guy. No thanks. <laughs> I'm, can- I'm cancelled. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to cancel you. Okay, uh, that's fair. Uh, 2004. I don't know. I don't know. I thought this was going to be so much easier than it was. I think you've seen this film. I'm not, I'm just not very good at this type of. Because uh, I can, I, I have seen the film because I recognise that. The actors in the scene. This is the final clip. Yeah, the actors in the scene are Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Oh, Tony Sunshine has brought this mind. Yes. Fuck. Yeah, I should have got that for the first time. Yeah, I love that film. That is a that is a great film. Oh, Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thought you said Andy Kaufman. Oh, funny. Yeah, good. Jim Carrey plays Andy Kaufman. Good. Island, yeah, good. Links, um, Okay, do you want your bonus point? Uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll get this. The title of this film... P-A-L. <laughs> yeah. The title of this film is taken from a quote from a poem. 
Yeah. Kirsten Dunst reads an extract in the film. Right. Who's the poem by? Is it Keats? You've gone straight in. No. It's not. I'll give you, do you want me to draw another guess? I'll read, I can read you the extract of the poem. I'll go okay, over it. Yeah, okay, go for it. It's a nice poem. How happy is the blameless Vestal's lot, the world forgetting by the world forgot, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, each prayer accepted and each wish resigned. Who is that poem by? I don't know. Um, what woman? Alexander Pope. Because she says, doesn't she, to the person, oh, there's this one quote I really... Because she's reading from that Bartlett's book of quotes. Mm. And she says, uh, there's this one quote I really like by Pope Alexander. And then the guy corrects her and says, Alexander Pope. And she's like, oh, I, I told myself I wouldn't say Pope Alexander because I didn't want to look like an idiot. And then I did. She's vapid. What a great film. A Transcendent yeah, Mind fantastic. Is. Uh, hit me with your best goof. Okay, I think my. Oh, we're going back to goofs. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I thought that we'd cut the rest of the podcast and go back to the goofs. Just bit. do goofs again. Yeah. Uh, I think you'll get this in the first go. Okay, what Come on, cat. <laughs> okay, uh, is that literally the line? Yeah. Is it cat as in the f- a feline? Is it that like cat spelled C A K? The line is. Come on, cat. Come on, cat. Are you not going to tell me if it's. It's not like a character's name. Is it not? Well, like, is that? I've given you the line. Okay. And ask you to spell trapped. I know what it is. Do you? I think you know mm-hmm. what it is. I know yeah. what it is. The line before that would have been way more. Oh, helpful. the line before that. The yeah. line before that is something like, uh, "This is um, this is Ripley, yeah. the last surviving yeah, yeah. member of the Nostromo. Yeah. <laughs> it's alien. It is alien. Yeah, because yeah. it's a cat. <laughs> you seem to be quite good at like." sitting there for a while and thinking about yeah but also i've got a stupid brain and i watch a film once and i just like this the the quotes just stick in my mind i connect with people and the world through films yes i'm a broken person you shouldn't yeah you should stop that yeah so i want you to give me a bonus question okay how many members how many crew members were there oh so there's milky mcgee Hmm? milky mcgee yeah yeah ash Ash, yeah. That's his name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's Ash. He's a crew member. Oh, don't give me that shit. You can't start throwing in that. He's a crew member. Oh, I th- well, he's a bit of machinery, isn't it? So that every 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 machine on the ship is a is a crew member. Can you at least tell me if you're counting Ash as a crew member? We'll see. <laughs> no, we won't see. You've got to tell me that shit. <laughs> okay, Ash is a crew member. Okay, so Milky McGee is a crew member. He's the milkiest of the crew members. I'd he's, say. he's the top. He's top of the milky list. Yeah. So we watched Alien quite recently yeah, because yeah. it was at, it came uh, back 40, into cinemas yeah, was for the 40th anniversary. anniversary, and you and I went to see it. It's the first time I'd seen it. It's the first time you've seen it, which is mental. Yeah, but yeah. you really enjoyed it. It's by Charlie Kaufman, right? <laughs> Andy Kaufman. I'm sorry, Andy Kaufman, <laughs> <laughs> famed comedian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you like you liked it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a good film. Uh, and I remember as we as we left, I remember saying to you, I forgot, I forgot how milky that film is. Yeah, it's very milky. Milky as hell. Yeah. I'm not stalling. No, no, no. There's Ash. Yeah. There's yeah. Ripley. There's kind of Ash, yeah. the two engineering guys. Yeah. There's the guy that Ripley seems to be involved with. There's another woman. And there's John Hurt. Is there someone else? I want to say it's either seven or eight, and I'm going to have to come down on an answer and try and decide if I've forgotten someone. I'm going to say there's eight members of crew. So that depends. Oh, come on. So there's seven, 
There's six, seven humans there's and six Ash. human members. Right. There's Ash. Yeah. Which makes seven. Shit, I was so close. Yeah. But there's also a cat. No, I don't think the cat. I wasn't going to include no. the cat. I mean, I was going to include whatever men you didn't get around. Seven so, or so there's eight. seven members. I think I did quite well. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good, Paul. But uh, no bonus point. No bonus points. I'll be honest. I think actually what happened was I remembered them all. Yeah. And I doubted myself. I was like, one. I think maybe I there's think an extra you, one you, on there. You came up with seven when you listened. Yeah. So you've got Brett. Yep. I don't know who Brett is. Brett's an engineer. Yeah. He's the one who wants to talk about his pay all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Lambert, who's the other woman. Dallas, who's the captain. Kane, who is John Hurt. Yeah. Uh, and then Parker, who is the black engineer. Yep. And you've got the cat. Who's called Cat. Yep. So you've got... Well, five points there. So yeah. you got another 11 points. 11 points. So how are we doing? Did you get two points this week? I think I got 12 points. I got more than two points. No, you got one on each. Did I really? Yeah, you didn't get either of the bonus questions and you needed all the clues. Oh dear. There was a Fight Club and... Uh, Eternal Sunshine, Sunshine as well. Like two films that you have both seen, seen and enjoyed. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I can't actually remember how many points we were on. Did you not have in your book? I think it's in a different book. Because I got 12 points last week as well. And we're back. Yes. I went to find my book. This is the magic of uh, editing. Mm-hmm. Immediate. I went to find it immediately. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. I changed my notebook last week because in the first episode about Shawshank, you ridiculed me so horrendously about the amount of notes I'd made. It's because you'd made seven pages of notes. That I went to a smaller notebook. I'm pretty sure you'd read them verbatim. <laughs> thought that's what this was oh so you thought this podcast was you reading you writing notes that you pulled me <laughs> in the snow and then reading them slowly not being able to read your i thought this was essentially me reading wikipedia entries mm. you're supposed to be adding the color oh okay i brought you in for your comedy you made a mistake i fe- appear to have picked the wrong person yeah um i definitely didn't bring you in for your knowledge of film quotes <laughs> <laughs> i love the idea that you would bring me in for my knowledge of film quotes I have no friends that know films better than you. That's possibly true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't live up to your expectations. Okay. So I was on 19, you were on 13 at the end of last week. That means that you have now jumped to 15. Oh, yeah. And I'm on 30. Mm. So you have... Do you want? Are we going to do a game on the final episode? Yeah, yeah. Big game, big game bonanza. Oh, yeah. I'd say yeah, quadruple points. Because yeah. we haven't got a film to talk about that last week, so but I'm going to be talking about other 1994 films such as. Don't Google it now. You haven't even got it typed in. Oh yeah, Leon the Professional was 1994. The Lion King. Yes, yeah, okay. Leon the Professional though. I don't know Leon the Professional. That's the, great. The Mask. <laughs> the oh, that was Jim. Yeah, Jim Carrey was big at that time. He's big. Clerks. Dumb and Dumber. But think about wait, think about that for a while. That's ridiculous, isn't it? The Mask, Ace Ventura, and Dumb and Dumber in the same in the same year. Probably sixty million for those as well. He was like the biggest. He was the highest paid actor in Hollywood for like three years in a a row or something. Because after that, he does more Ace Ventura. Um, Uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective went two when Nature Calls. Yeah, Uh, he gets birthed from a rhino. (laughs) I don't know why. It's just a thing that happens. Mm -hmm. I really like Clark. Clark is the only Kevin Smith film that I've seen and enjoyed. Okay. Interview with the Vampire. What ones have you seen and not enjoyed? I don't think any. Oh, you've only seen Clark's? I think. I think so. He's you haven't kind seen of, Dogma then? I haven't seen Dogma. Chasing Amy's okay. I think he's kind of got a reputation of being a bit, a bit shit. 
Kevin Smith. I think Kevin Smith Hollywood. is one of those guys that is uh, he could, probably could have been a lot better than he was, yeah. but he's kind of content to just be like, I just want to make I just want to make films with my friends, talk about comic books and stuff. He wants to make Jane Silent Bob films over and over again. That is a mistake. Yeah, that is absolutely a mistake if he does that. They are doing a new one. I think they're doing a Jane yep. Silent Bob. Frankly, they didn't need their own film. They were better as in Clerks. They were yeah, they were better as part of the Viewers Universe or whatever yeah. it's called. I, I have no idea about any universe. I've only seen the one film, but all of his films are set in the same universe. Okay. It's like one of the early examples of like a cinematic universe. Right. It's called the Viewers Universe. Okay. We have three episodes left for you to get make up fifteen point deficit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm averaging ten. Uh, 10 points a week so far and, and you're averaging 5 points yeah but a week. yours is about to get much harder but if you average 10 points a week for the next 3 weeks and I average 5 points we'll draw and then we can fight <laughs> physically, <laughs> physically fight yeah okay cool if it comes to the end of the series and there's a tie yeah we'll fight okay yeah I put the money on me yep <laughs> same that's not saying much but I would put the money on me yeah I think I probably would as well um Okay, uh, so in two weeks' time, we're going to be getting back together to talk about Pulp Fiction. Pulp fiction we're going to be going into I'm the fiction. Looking forward to doing this. Yeah, especially the gimp scene. It's going to be pulpy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, we're just going to do that. It's going to be a thing. Yep. It's going to be pulpy and fictiony. Marvin gets shot right in the face. Oh, yeah, I forgot that was Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Fuck, Tarantino is so good in that. We film. could talk about that story. <laughs> two weeks time no, well, yeah, we can. and then we can talk about it again and again and again and again and again i was into that more than anyone else in that room and everyone else i was not into that at all well, that is a tease <laughs> oh yeah big tease for next week for the two people who know what we're talking about which is us two Are we, <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> wow <laughs> that took a while to get to <laughs> not a lot. It's a long walk for a very small drink of water. Yeah. Tell you who's not a small drink of water. Andy Dufresne, tall drink of water. Okay. Uh, that'll close out our episode on Quiz Show. That's how join us, it. Yeah. Join us in two weeks where we're going to be talking about Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Remember to rate, review, subscribe. Oh, yeah, do that. Uh, this is called Anthony Oscar Goes too. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. All of them. Tell one friend. If One. we get something, no, like if we get, if anyone's listening to this, yeah, yeah. which I think, I think they're not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Odds are. But if you're out there and you're listening yeah, to this yeah. and you've got this far. Mm-hmm. and you've, Well done. Yeah. For a start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really have faith that we might get better. And I don't. Have There's no way faith. you're listening to this and being like, tell you what, I found these new this guys peak, and they're yeah, really good yeah, podcasts. They're, they're peaking hard. Yeah. Also, you're probably not listening to it thinking like there's clear potential, mm. but if you've somehow spotted potential deep down, mm. thank you for a start. Yeah, it'd yeah. be really great if Could someone... you send us some money. <laughs> just put when money we... in an envelope and put <laughs> it in the post box. It's just to uh, and the Oscar goes to dot dot dot. Yeah, uh, no, but seriously, if you are, if you actually are listening to this, I have no idea how to gauge this because this feels now like I'm talking to no one. Yeah, which oh, I think uh, yeah yeah. But seriously, if anyone is listening to this, thank you because uh, it is fun doing it. Yeah, I enjoy and, uh, it. It would be really nice if someone was listening to it. If you are and you do enjoy it, if you could just tell like one person to listen to it, we if everyone did that, I think we can. We would double. Like if we ha- we would literally hit maybe five or six listeners. If it was five, that'd be if everyone because maybe two people are telling the same person. Then yeah, make sure that none of your friends li- tell you, tell all your friends to stop listening and then tell, and then one, tell of one of them, them to listen to listen, yeah, yeah. and then we'll double our. Is that how maths works? 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think I've got a quote about how maths works. Uh, mod effect squared <laughs> dx. Sure. Which okay. Is, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were about to explain what that meant. Yeah, it was. I'm thank you for stepping in. I think my instincts were good there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So two weeks time we're doing Pulp Fiction, uh, and we will catch you then. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. The nominees for best picture of the year are. My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. See, I don't think an adult of your intelligence ought to be commended for simply at long last telling the truth. Send you here for life. That's exactly what they take. And the Oscar goes to... Hello, everyone. Welcome to And the Oscar Goes To. Uh, my name's Oliver Smith, and I'm here as ever with my faithful co-host. He, uh... God damn it. <laughs> Are we going to start again? Yeah. Okay. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> Why'd you just click it through it directly in the microphone? I just am next to the microphone. No, no, you look into the microphone. You look into its deep blue eyes and you... Okay. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Carry on. You're trying to screw me. Yeah, yeah. yeah.